welcome into the Wizards group chat. I'm your host, Ryan Oliver, alongside my man, Chase Carroll. Chase, the trade deadline wasn't wasn't jumping like we thought it might jump for the Wizards, uh, but we're here to break it all down in the Wizards group chat. Chase, let me start with how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. The, it, it may have seemed uneventful for some here at the trade deadline. I, I think we may potentially even have deferring opinions on how we did here at the trade deadline for our team we normally uh, agree on this podcast so it might be nice to you know we'll see we, we we might disagree a little bit on this one so um i'm i'm excited about that that we're back to talk about the wizards i i kind of hoped we would have a little bit more to talk about i i kind of i think i expected that we'd have a little bit more to talk about but um at the end of the day i, I don't think it was a devastating trade deadline or anything like that but uh we'll definitely get into that yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're recording this podcast after the Boston Celtics game. So the the morning after, just for reference, a kind of we've had a had some time to digest the trade deadline, and this isn't like an instant reaction to to what's gone on. So just to kind of give you where maybe our heads are at, because I think that it's really easy in the moment to feel a certain emotion or one way or another about things, but then maybe when you take a step back and more reporting comes out and more details come out about what was and wasn't available. Uh, it gives you just a different, like a cleaner perspective on just the whole situation. So let's let's just jump right in. So the the obviously the big trade. If you're listening to this podcast, you are aware that Daniel Gaffer got traded. I'd assume, but if anyone that's listening isn't aware, um, starting center Daniel Gaffer got traded to the Mavericks uh, for Rashawn Holmes and what is basically going to be a late first round pick. Um, I'll read a tweet from Josh Robbins from the Athletic, kind of describing like how this pick is coming to be. So the pick in the Daniel Gafford trade uh, that's incoming to Washington will be the more favorable of the Clippers and Thunder's first round picks. The Clippers have the league's fifth best record and the Thunder are tied for the second best record. So for now, the pick would be the 26th pick. So that that's a tweet from Josh Robbins, just so people can understand. So it's not guaranteed to be the 26th pick. It could be later or maybe a little earlier potentially, but generally it's going to be around 26. So a late first round pick. Um, just for context, Rashawn Holmes hasn't played much for the Mavericks this year. Uh, he has a $13 million player option for next season, which I can all but guarantee he's going to pick up because he's not going to make that much on the open market uh, if he would even get picked up at all. Uh, so he's going to be back next year as well, unless he's traded or, or, or bought out, which may or may not happen, I guess. Um, Gafford's contract has two more years on it after this year at around 13 and 14 mil um, in the respective years. So just to give everyone kind of a landscape of the, the contracts, the trade, uh, Chase, I will give you the floor. What was your reaction to the Gafford trade? All in all, I, I don't hate the trade at all. Like in the grand scheme of the trade deadline here, I, I wanted us to probably do more than we did. I would have liked us to acquire more than we did, but at the same time, uh, getting off of Gafford, I'm not super upset about it. And, and I like Gafford the player. I, I don't hate Gafford the contract. But I think if you look at Gafford the player, he's way more effective when he has a real point guard to to really get things going for him. We don't have that here. We we just don't have a, the, the right point guard to maximize what we have in Daniel Gafford. And we saw that here when we had uh, a point guard in Russell Westbrook. He, he was much more effective with a, a guy who willing to throw him up some lobs. But I just didn't think we we had the most effective version of Gafford here in Washington, mostly because of his surroundings. Um, but but he's a good player. But but if if you're looking here in the future, 
I think it makes more sense to to have that late first round pick than Gafford here if you're looking to, to build something long term. And and it, there were a bunch of guys I wanted out of the building. We wanted Tyus Jones out of the building. We wanted DeLon Wright out of the building. We wanted Landry Shaman out of the building. And and for me, I did want Gafford out in a trade. But of those four, he was probably the la- the guy I least wanted out the building. I, I could have absolutely seen something uh, long term here for Gafford in Washington. So. Um, if you look at the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm not super happy with how the trade deadline ended up. I would have mostly wanted Tyus Jones out the building. I, I just think it's now setting up that we have to pay him and he's going to continue to be our point guard of the future here for the next at least year or two, I think. Otherwise, he's just walking for free. And, and that's the absolute worst option here for me, I think. Um, and, and DeLon Wright, I thought he could have potentially at least nabbed a second. We saw some guys, I think at his tier, at his caliber of player that went for second round picks at this deadline. And I know contracts is different. He makes what I believe five or 8 million, something like that. Um, making it a little bit more difficult to trade him than say a, a, a vet minimum guy. But I really think he's a talented player that contenders would have loved to have. So I'm, I'm a little sad from that perspective. We couldn't get off the lawn. Um, but but Daniel Gafford, yeah, he's going to be a real good player there for Dallas. He's, I think, in my opinion, he could be one of the best backup centers in the league. And, and it's just a, another case of us having to play guys where they're probably not suited for. Like last year, Monte Morris being our starting point guard every single game each night. I think Daniel Gafford's better suited as a backup center. But here in Washington, we don't have that luxury to to allow him to be the most effective him. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm excited that we have yet another first-round pick. Uh, it, it may be a weaker draft coming up, but I want as many swings as we can at it to to get the right guys in the building immediately because I want to jumpstart this, uh, this rebuild as, as quickly as we can. So a couple of things. I, I want to start with where you kind of ended, which was having as many swings um, in terms of first round picks. I feel like as a fan base, we've been basically begging for having more swings, right? Like we've been saying, hey, we want to have as many draft picks as we can so we can have more bites of the apple to potentially get difference makers. But then when the front office makes a trade to get more picks, then people aren't as happy with the return as maybe they want to be. And I understand like the 26th pick potentially in a week draft doesn't sound that sexy. So I can understand people that watch Gafford every night feel like, Oh, well he has to be worth more than that. But I think that if he was worth more than that, don't you think winger and Dawkins would have taken the better, the better deal. Right. So, and then the argument against that is, well, they could have waited. They didn't have to trade him now. But to me, I think they looked at the, situation is people that have more knowledge about what the trade market looks like they have more knowledge about doing deals like this how it would translate going forward like if they didn't trade Gafford now how would it look in the offseason how would it look next deadline I think they looked at the situation and assessed we're trading a backup big man how many times have you and I come on this podcast and talked about how Gafford on almost any other team in the NBA especially the good teams He'd be a backup, a 20-minute per game backup, a very good one. That's not to talk down on Gafford. He's a very solid player. He's a very good rotation, rotational player in the NBA. But I feel like we've come on here multiple times this year the, in the offseason and said Gafford, is for as good as he is, he's a backup on most teams. 
So I look at it and I'm like, okay, so we're trading a backup center for a late first round pick. And we're complaining about it. Like there's a large segment of the fan base that's complaining. And if Gafford was so, so good that he was worth more than that, I think the Wizards would have a better defense. I think they'd have a better record. It's not, it would not that Gafford is Gafford's fault that the team is bad, but he's not enough of a difference maker in terms of high level talent for the team to be substantially better than that, than one of the worst teams in league history defensively. So my, my point is, and again, this isn't to talk bad about Gafford. It's just, he's replaceable. That's my point. You saw Bagley come in and instantly give you a similar impact to Gafford and the Pistons were giving him away. So that to me, if you can get a similar caliber player like in, in your door, like Bagley, you can afford to send out a replaceable asset for a late first round pick. That's exactly what we want as a front office or from a front office. So this is it kind of just blows my mind sometimes when I when I look on Twitter. I don't, again, I don't tweet a lot, but I'm, I'm constantly just reading what other people's opinions are. And I kind of just save my takes for, for our podcast um, but I I it's I just am like almost baffled sometimes by some of the takes I read. And it's not to say that like the way I see it is the only way to see it. And that's not by any means what I'm trying to say. But I just feel like there's a lot of contradictory like opinions and desires that I don't understand where it's like, okay, could you say, hey, I think Gafford's worth the 18th pick instead of the 26th pick? Okay, like I could see your argument of in a week draft, you saying, I feel like he should have been worth a higher pick. But if no one is offering that pick, what is the front office supposed to do? Just not trade him and then hold on to an asset. And then if they had held on to him and he had he had gone, let's say in the offseason or next deadline for three seconds, we would have been mad at the front office. Like, wow, they only got three seconds. So my point is Dawkins and Winger are in a lose-lose situation with our fan base because there's so much impatience built up from the ineptitude of Grunfeld and Leonsis and Tommy Shepard in years of mediocrity that the that our fan base is is scarred to the point where we have no patience and any move they make is going to be criticized immediately unless it's like you're trading Gafford for a top 10 pick that would obviously not be criticized but anything that has any type of like oh well you could debate it it's like there's there's not much middle ground it's either like they're Tommy Shepard 2.0 or they're the greatest GMs ever. And we're posting memes of them. Like they're the best thing ever. Like there's no middle ground. I don't think they're the best thing ever. I think they've made mistakes. Jordan Poole has looked like a mistake and I think they've done good trades. I think this is a good trade. I don't think it's a, a home run. I think it's a solid trade. Um, the gaffer trade I'm referring to, but I think that we got to chill out as a fan base. I get that. We're all scarred. Like, I understand that. I am too. Like, I don't want to watch bad basketball anymore. I want this rebuild to go amazingly. I want Bilal to be a superstar. I want whoever they draft in the late 20s to be the next uh, Rudy Gobert pick, like that type of pick or whatever. I want all the same things. But I think we got to chill out as a fan base. Like, that's what I'm here to say. We got to chill out. Gafford is a backup center. They got a first round pick for him. That's a good return. It's not amazing. Amazing would have been like a top 15 pick or top 20 pick. It's a good return. So I'm here to say, Chase, I just need everyone to chill out. Like it's okay. <laughs> they did a solid job. It's not amazing. It's a solid trade. <laughs> That's what I'm here to say. And I actually agree with you here, Ryan, as, as at least here on the, the Gafford point, I'm 
I, I think he's a backup center in this league. I think he's expendable. We we've seen Marvin Bagley explode in the couple games that Gafford missed. And I'm, I'm super excited from that standpoint as well to see exactly what um, Marvin Bagley has once he gets healthier. Hopefully that's coming up here soon. Uh, clearly the the center rotation, we, we joked all year about how weak the center rotation has been. And now we literally don't have a center to play right now. So um, until Rashawn Holmes, of course, clears in, in this trade, but um, I'm, I'm excited to see what Marvin Bagley can do post trade here. Um, and, and we, we are all mad or a lot of the fan base is upset here at winger and Dawkins. And, and to your point, we've been begging for more swings, <laughs> probably at each and every pod. That's what we talk about, how we need more swings, um, uh, more bites at the apple. That was a, a good, good way to put it. But, um, at the end of the day, they're one to know in my eyes on draft picks, this is how it's going to have to be built, this this team. We're not going to be hitting on free agents. Sure, we can hit on some trades, which is what Tommy Shepard really really decided that was how he was going to build the team through, and that didn't work. I think we have to build this thing through the draft. So as many swings as we can get, as many uh, chances at hitting a, a really good player there in, in this next up, upcoming draft. I know it's a weaker draft, but uh, we've seen drafts be labeled weak, and that's when the, the guys at the end of the draft – surprise people that you really don't know about. So for me, that's, that's what I want to see. I, I'm not really upset about the Stafford trade at all. It's more so the fact that we didn't get more for me for, from, from the other guys that I wanted out the building. And and I think this clearly shows that Tyus Jones is coming back. I'm, I'm, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that too, because I, I just don't see Tyus as the long-term point guard. I, I don't understand the direction of the backcourt because I think, Jordan Poole's here to stay, unfortunately, for a couple seasons. And if if you're not trading Tyus Jones, I think it's best to to keep your assets so you can eventually get something for him. I'd hate to just let him walk here in the offseason. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not really trying to keep him. So they're kind of in a weird position here with Tyus Jones not getting off him. I, I know we've read that they had offers of four second-round picks. I don't know what's true uh, from that standpoint. But if they did get an offer of four second round picks, I'm I'm a little upset right now that they didn't take that because to me that's a that's a very good offer for a guy we really got in a throw in for Kristaps Porzingis who uh, was going to walk himself anyway. So get as many assets as you can to recoup for for that trade because I just I just don't see him as a long term fit here. I, I'm I want to hear uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I want to give you my thoughts on Tyus in one second, but I want to touch on something that you mentioned about having bites at the apple. And just to kind of wrap up the Gafford portion of this and that trade is having a pick that's in the late the late first round, in addition to having all the second round picks they've acquired and the swaps and stuff like that in the, the various trades that have happened, it gives you different type of ammunition. So in a weak draft, there might be a contending team or a team that's trying to contend that has the 20th pick, right? And you might target a player and say, hey, we'll give you 26 and three seconds to move up to 20 to get the player that the front office has targeted. It's about having optionality, right? That's part of what the Gaffer trade allows you to do. When you trade a replaceable asset, again, they got they got Bagley, for nothing, basically. And he's come in and he's given you similar production to what Gafford was doing. I think you could argue that Gafford's a better player because of what he brings defensively, but they're a similar ilk of player. Like, I don't think that anyone would argue that Gafford is so much better than Marvin Bagley. I think they're, I think Gafford's a little better, but it's an easily replaceable 
skill set is a rim running backup center. So to me, if you're flipping that guy who I like Gafford, he's a very good player. I really enjoyed probably one of my favorite wizards of the past decade is Gafford. Like he's been really enjoyable to watch. But one thing we cannot do as a fan base is get attached to any of these guys besides Bilal, whoever they draft next year, and maybe Tristan Vucevic. Like, that's it. Those are the only guys we should have maybe any attachment to at this point. Probably not even Tristan. Like, really just Bilal right now. But the rest of these guys are all replaceable. And I know we all agree on that, like, in in sense of, like, well, we just want to get the right value for them. I know that's where people are at. But... The value that you have in your mind might not be the reality of what the value is around the league. So, and how this can circle into the Tyus thing is, I think we all wanted to move Tyus for a good deal, right? Like, okay, he's not going to be here that long, potentially, or he's not long for the Wizards in terms of being the point guard of the future. Like, let's get rid of him because he's on an expiring deal and get what whatever we can. I think the front office has to do a delicate balance of, You need a competent point guard. Point guard isn't as easily replaceable of a spot as center is. Like, you can't just say, you know what, we're going to trade Tyus and make DeLon and Johnny Davis our point guard tandem, and that's what we're going to run out for the last 30 games of the season, and we're going to take two seconds for Tyus. It's not as easily replaceable. Like, I honestly think that Bagley and Rashawn Holmes can give you like 80% of the production you're getting from Gafford and the defense already sucks and we're already only a nine win team at this point in the season. So what difference is that going to make? Cause we're not winning games as is. So I, I, this is what like, it just puzzles me. It's like a team that's nine and 42 has a fan base online. That'll like whine about the production of a, of a backup center of a backup center and like whine about how like, oh no, we're losing this guy that's doing this. I'm like, we have nine wins. Like, I don't care. Like, if we get rid of Kuzma, if we get rid of Tyus or any of these other guys, it doesn't really matter. And I know that sounds contradictory to my point about Tyus. But what I'm saying is you have to have competent from the point guard. If you want Bilal to be able to to grow and you want Denny to be able to grow, they need a competent point guard. You can't just have someone that can't even get them in their, like, in their sets. You need somebody that's going to get them in their sets. It's going to be dependable. It's going to be reliable. And Tyus does that. So I think that the front office looked at it like, okay, maybe we're only getting offered two seconds and, or maybe we're getting offered four seconds, but we have to take on long-term salary or like something like that, where it's like, is this really, is, is the couple assets we're getting that aren't even a first round pick, are they worth throwing off what we have in terms of like a comp the competency at the position someone that's dependable someone that's going to be there every night to kind of get it get the offense going get him get everybody in position i think that's just a, a delicate balance and i think that they probably decided that whatever offers they had on the table weren't weren't worth kind of throwing that off in terms of just having someone to kind of run the show night to night i think that if they got an offer for four second round picks and it didn't involve taking on long-term salary that they definitely should have done it. But there has been some uh, pushback to that initial report that the Timberwolves, I believe, off- offered four first-round pick or four second-round picks, excuse me, and that they said that wasn't true or a source team source said that wasn't the case. Uh, they ended up they ended up trading for Monty Morris for for one second-round pick. So the truth's probably in the middle. They probably offered maybe two or three, and you know it just didn't it didn't the deal didn't work out. I'm not as worked up about 
that I think that my view of this whole situation is with everything is patience. Like I am going to be patient and give the new front office a long runway to clean up a lot of the mistakes from the previous regimes and not be so quick to be critical or um, just challenge everything that they're doing or not doing. Do I think that if they could have gotten a good deal for DeLon Wright, they would have? I'm sure they would have. But I think that from what the reporting is from, uh, I think it was Josh Robbins of The Athletic was, they could have gotten a second round pick for DeLon Wright, but it would have involved taking back longer salary and it just wasn't worth it. Like, it's not worth it to get um, the 50th pick in the draft to take on long-term salary. That's just not, they determined it wasn't worth it. So sometimes just a deal's not there to be had. I think I'm more surprised that there's not a team that was offering like, we'll give you three seconds if you package up both Shamit and DeLon Wright. And like like a team like the Heat, I know I keep talking about the Heat, but like a team that just could use a, a, like a, some guard depth and a shooter to go along with their like with their team. I think that's more, more so than the Tyus thing. I think I was more so surprised that DeLon and Shamit are still here. I think those are the two guys I thought for sure would be gone because they just, I understand the theory of keeping Tyus, but Delon and Shamit, I don't really see what they're adding to the team. Like Delon just hasn't been that good this year, which is probably why his trade market wasn't popping like that. But Shamit, you know, he's not great, but he's a guy that if you could do a lot worse with him in, in, in your rotation, like he's going to play hard. He's going to, he can knock down shots. He has a little athletic athletic pop. He'll try hard on defense. I feel like there's a lot of teams around the league that could, like even like the Timberwolves, they could have used that just like infusion of of shooting and athleticism, that a little bit a little bit of athleticism. So uh, I'm a, that's a long winded way of me saying I'm okay with the not trading Tyus. I wonder if they'll resign him in the offseason and potentially flip him down the road. But sometimes there's just not a deal there to be had, and I think that we should give the front office some benefit of the doubt. I think that they want to make trades. I don't think that they're like sitting on their hands. Like, you know what? We really love Tyus production and we want to keep him. I think that it's just, if there's not a good offer there, that's that you deem worthy of moving the asset. Maybe they're just kicking the can down the road. Yeah. And I'll, I'll start here on the Tyus point. I'm Tyus is a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a very good player. I, I think he's a lot better than Monte Morris, who we saw last year. They're similar players, but Tyus Jones is a much better player than than Monte Morris is in my eyes. Um, but my problem with with not trading him here is that you're either locking in to a backcourt of of Tyus Jones and, and Jordan Poole for, in my eyes, a couple couple seasons or at least one one more season, um, or or you're just letting him walk for nothing. And, and to me that, and, and I hope that's not the option. I, I would rather bring him back on a, hopefully a, a team friendly deal, which I don't know why he would come back to Washington on a team friendly deal. So that's, this is just where I'm, I'm seeing all of this is it just appears in my eyes to be leading up to him walking out the door. Um, a sign and trade not, too, Chase. They could do a sign and trade and they, get back they, an asset that way. Like maybe they could sign into a deal that a contending team couldn't afford to do. And then and sign and trades are more complicated than they used to be. But it, I think it just there is more optionality than maybe we're we're initially thinking. But I, I agree with your point. Keep going. Yeah, and, and they're smarter than me. I'm not going to act like I know what I'm doing in an NBA front office. Like I'm sure they have a plan that I don't see right now that most of us don't see right now. Um, but but. At surface level here for what we can see and, and what 
we can think about here in the near future, you're kind of locking in the Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole backcourt um, for the near future. Cause I don't think you're getting off Jordan Poole this off season. I, I hope I'm wrong on that, but I think we're going to have to give up some assets in order to get off him. And I don't think we're in the position to, to need to do that. Um, so hopefully we get a coach in the building. If it's not Brian Keith, if it's someone else, a coach in the building, I think somebody's going to have to do what needs to be done with Jordan Poole. And he, he had a s- strong first half last night and I was happy to see that. But uh, we saw his, his second half last night. Um, if, if you're locking into that backcourt, I think you're just asking for yet another, you know, at this point we're, we're under 10 wins. I think you're looking at that again next year if you're running this backcourt back. So hopefully we would get a coach in here. If you're going to have Tyus Jones, who's a pretty solid point guard, he runs the offense at a, a to your point at a really strong level, and he's the assist to turnover king. The dude never turns the ball over. Like from that perspective, he's everything you want in a point guard offensively, at least. Of, of course, he has his his downsides on defense, but I think you're going to need to have a coach in the building who's going to be willing to do what needs to be done with Jordan Poole and have him come off the bench. Like if if he staggered those two, allowed Jordan Poole to play more of a a backup point guard role where he has the ball in his hands and is able to to do everything he wants to do on the court and, and not affect you know what what everyone else is doing, then it could work. But if you're locking into to Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, yet another year of them being the starting backcourt, I'm not too happy with that. So I hope the guys in the front office have a vision that I don't see. And they probably do. They've, they've done some forward thinking things here already and early into their tenure. And to your point, I'm going to also wait. They, they have a ton of years of leash for me until I actually start to deep dive and question what they're doing. I think for the most part, you and I have been very happy with what they've done here early into their tenure. Uh, one and I think they're one and oh here in draft picks one hit, on their first first round pick. So I'm I'm willing to see where this where this leads to, of course, because at the end of the day, I think we're really playing for 2026, 2027 is when we're we're really gonna care about what this roster is looking like. Like for now, we're just trying to find the 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 side pieces of the puzzle that that fit together. And and most of these guys are just not going to be here on the next good Wizards team. So I'm not I'm not tripping one way or the other right now. Um I, I would have liked to see Tyus go. I would have Love to see Delon and Shamit go. I, I'm sure they're they would have gone if they could have gone. I'm I I think Delon's a great player that could have netted a second round pick, but I don't think they're just going to hold on to them if if they you know could have done that. So um, I would have I would like now at this point if Delon and and Shamit aren't going to be long term pieces here, which I don't think they are. I would I would look at the buyout market for them, see if we could just buy them out and hopefully get some young guys in the building that can play a little bit like Johnny Davis just wasting away here in the G league might as well. I don't think he's a good player. I don't think he will become a good player, but we, we will never know if he doesn't even step foot on the floor. So if you can cut a guy like Shamit, cut a guy like Delon now who aren't going to be long-term pieces here, let's see what the young guys can do. And, and uh, they would probably be better, you know, happier elsewhere too at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I do think that Wright and Shamit shouldn't play that much on the Wizards going forward. Like, I, I think that you need to see what Johnny Davis can do. And it, it's it's just tough when you're at this point where the team just is, you know, they're, they're a nine-win team. And so you feel like, well, 
if if there was any time to see what Johnny Davis can do, it's over the next 20 or 30 games. Like, let's just give him, honestly, I would say let's give him 15 to 20 minutes a night minimum. And let's just do it every night for 30 games. To, so the front office can get a final evaluation of him. I'm sure that they already don't think he can play because what <laughs> I'm sure they think that, right? Like, I'm sure that that's the reason why they're that he's not playing is because no one really thinks he's worthy of the minutes. But I think that at the end of the day, you might as well just put him out there because it's like what what you're seeing from Delon and Shaman isn't leading to more wins. Uh, it maybe lead to a little bit more like less met less on court errors because they just are veterans that know where to be. But I just I I have a hard time in general getting really worked up about anything that happens this season. Like if Poole has a bad game, I might think to myself like, "Damn, he sucks," or like, "Damn, he's playing bad." But I don't. Like, I'm not moved up or down or right or left about really anything that goes on this season that's not, um, that doesn't revolve around Denny or Bilal. Like, the things that make me mad as a Wizards fan are, why is Denny not closing? Like, why is the the 20, I guess he's 23 now, 23-year-old that you just signed to a really, really good value contract? Why is he not getting these reps closing games, like in close games? Like it, we don't need to see the vets close games. Like I, you have to have vets out there. But what I mean is like, I don't want to see Poole, who's played bad all game, get to close the game over Denny, who's been playing well. It, like things like that are the things that don't make sense to me. Like, and that frustrate me more than anything. I don't care as much about some of the other stuff that other people get up in arms about in our fan base to me it's more like Bilal needs to be playing he needs to be starting at this point like you guys need to play Denny and Bilal together now maybe right now their skill sets aren't a huge compliment to each other because you know neither one of them are like knockdown shooters like last night the Celtics had Porzingis on Bilal and he were just letting him shoot and he had a he had a pretty good game overall but he wasn't efficient because he was like I think he was two for nine to like start out like he was just kind of missing and they were they were testing him, right? He's a rookie, but they don't have a lot of respect for his shot, or you know, and teams don't have a lot of respect for Denny's shot, even though his shot has gotten a lot better um this year. But those are the things that like bother me. If if anything's gonna bother me, it's about I want them to be prioritizing Denny and Bilal above all else. Um, and to a much, much lesser extent, Johnny Davis. Um, but in terms of the other stuff. Like, look, Jordan Poole is going to be here, okay? Like, that's where we're at as a as a team. It was a miss. They, It was a, to me, in my opinion, it was a worthy gamble, right? Like, taking Chris Paul's contract and turning it into Jordan Poole, I thought was a really good gamble. I mean, I and I was wrong about that. Like, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to admit that you're wrong. The front office probably had the same, a similar evaluation of the situation that a lot of our fan base did was, hey, we're buying low on a potential high-level starter, if not maybe all-star potential guard. And what they miscalculated in that was that something is wrong with Jordan Poole right now. And the Draymond punch, there's a clear before and after with that. And if you go look at Golden State highlights, there his highlights from Golden State, to be clear, there's that's a different guy. He had much more life, much more pop, much more creation, much more ability to finish around the rim. He's never been a good defender, but he at least would like try on some level to just get steals or be competent. And I don't 
I think that light that he had, like there was a light he had that seems to be gone. And I, I think that that was a miscalculation on the part of the front office. But I have a hard time finding anybody that could have said at the time, hey, this deal is stupid. What are they doing? Like now maybe some people weren't saying it was a home run, but I think some people were saying, hey, like, let's just see how it goes. Maybe there's a middle ground. But I don't think anybody said, hey, they shouldn't have done it. This is stupid. Um, actually, there was probably one guy on Twitter I remember saying, the Wizards are dead set on having the worst contracts in the NBA. I remember. And I was like, no way. What? And I mean, maybe that is one of the worst contracts. Like, maybe that guy was right. So that, there was that one guy. I can't remember who he was, but he was some reporter. Um, but so I, I think that, like I keep saying, I think we all just need to relax. Like none of this stuff matters all that much in terms of like, okay, so if the plan is to be bad for the next two seasons after this season, does it really make that big of a difference whether Jordan Poole's on the roster or not? Like, yes, it's hard for us to watch, right? Like, no one wants to watch Jordan Poole suck every night. Like, we are, like I get that. Like, it's not fun to watch. And um, I understand that because I'm watching every game too. But what the way I look at it is like, well, the team's going to suck either way. And that's clearly the plan. And I know the plan wasn't to be maybe this bad, but I would rather just take our lumps how we're like if it, taking our lumps involves Jordan Poole I'm just gonna take them it doesn't matter to me that much I just want the young guys to develop that's where I'm at I don't I don't care whether Poole's on the team or Tyus is on the team I want them to make smart decisions if the trade wasn't there uh, there wasn't a trade there to be made then it just wasn't there to be made if Poole's gonna be here he's gonna be here I just want them to prioritize the young guys that's where I'm at I'm right there with you Ryan and and Unfortunately, I agree with you as far as pool. I don't think he has it left in him anymore. We saw some, we see some spurts of it every once in a while. Like in the first half last night, there were a couple times early on where I was like, okay, Jordan Poole, okay, he's he, he seems quicker than he was the other night at home when he's getting booed. He's he's on the road and he seems to to have a little bit of that juice back here again in the first half. Nineteen points in the first half. Really great half. I think he had like 19, 5, and 4 or something at, at the half. Second half, where did, where did that Jordan Poole go? What, what happened? Why is he taking four shots in the second half? Why, we just saw him have that killer instinct in the first half, comes out of the half. And I, I don't know if this is a, a coaching point where they just weren't weren't feeding them ball anymore, weren't putting them in position anymore, or, or what exactly that was. But how does he end the game the same amount of – points that he had at halftime after he, such a strong half. I just but I don't understand. Did crank up the defense in the second in the, in the second half though, especially that third quarter, which we all knew cuz the game shouldn't have been close. They they decided to put the clamps on and really try their full like, you know, really act cuz I feel like you you're playing the Wizards, right? So you're like, "Oh, well, we can give our C effort and get an easy win." And I think when the Wizards came out with a lot of punch, I think they were like, "All right, at halftime and kind of decided to put their foot down." But I get your point like Pool was being aggressive in the first half, and it just seemed like, you know, once the defense cranked up a little bit, his aggression stopped. And I feel like the Jordan Pool of, I don't know, a year and a half ago or their championship run or the Warriors championship run, um, he just had so much more pizzazz. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's the killer instinct, I think, is just gone. Like, now that he's become a, the focal point of the Wizards, really offensively, of, of course, uh, Kuzma has has a lot of the share in the offense but a lot of a lot of the, the defense a lot of the opposing defense is now focused on pool and it seems once that's the case he seems to to check out a little bit he, he seems to not really 
want to force the action when they're actually defending him as hard as they can. Like it's, it's easier when you got Clay Thompson and, and all these other guys and around you to, to take some of that pressure off of you. But when you're playing next to Tyus Jones and, and Kyle Kuzma, I mean, Kyle Kuzma is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, You're, you're playing again with lower caliber players around you and you're being focused on by the opposing defense night in and night out. He seems to, to not really take that challenge. So, um, I was I was disappointed with that second half. I was really happy with the first half. I'm like he shows it every once in a while now, and it's like we we could ha- eventually at some point maybe if if things were right, if he was in the correct role, maybe he could. I don't think he'll ever get back to that Golden State Jordan pool, but I think you could have an effective player in there somewhere. But then it just immediately vanishes in the second half. Like why? Why couldn't you do that for the entire game? And I, I understand the defense was was definitely ramping up on him in the second half, but he wasn't doing the other things you need to do if you're not scoring either. So he's got to he's got to find his his role here in the NBA. I think he's a long term six man. I think that's where or, or long term backup scoring guard, maybe not six man. I, I think he's a, a scoring guard in this league, and I I think we're now seeing here. He's just probably not a starting caliber player moving forward. And, and of course, his contract's probably going to dictate where he is in the rotation, where where he is in role with the Wizards. Unfortunately, he closes a lot of games that he probably doesn't deserve to at this point. Like, So we're benching guys like Bilal and Denny at the end of the games, who in my eyes have really earned those end-of-rotation minutes end of, at, to, to end the game. And you're throwing Jordan Poole out there just in my eyes because of his contract, not because he's really earned it this season. Um, I I would definitely argue that Denny and Bilal have been better to close games than Jordan Poole, but because of his contract and, and because I think of how people view Jordan Poole around the league, he has his own fan base, as we've seen. He's He's got a lot of fans. Um, and I think just because of the, the gravity he has with, with that, he's getting put in at the end of games. And I just, I just don't really think he deserves that at this point. So I hope he picks it up. Um, I just don't think he's in the correct role for himself right now. I think he's a long-term scoring guard and he could be a very effective long-term scoring guard if he doesn't, uh, if he's not expected to do all those other things. But of course he's here in Washington and he makes as much money as he does. And there's no one else there to really, you know, take that from him. And we don't really have a coaching staff who's going to force the issue. Um, I think a, a good coaching staff say he's with the Miami heat. Do you think he's being thrown out there at the end of the games? Do you think he's um, playing the way he has now and, and not, you know, receiving any repercussions for that? Uh, I'd say, no, I, I think a good coaching staff who has some pull would, would put him in the correct role off the bench. And it's just not going to happen here. I I'm, I'm not, you know, naive to think that here in Washington that he's going to be a, a backup this season. That's not going to happen. But I think if he's going to be here long term, which I see, I don't see a team you know coming to get him. I think his his long term fit is a you know backup scoring guard. I agree with you uh, in terms of you know what is probably going to be for Pool going forward. I do think that we have to be understanding of the perspective of the front office is that they traded for Pool with probably hopes that they could either rehabilitate him as an asset and flip him for something of value going forward. Or if he was really good, like if he popped like, you know, 
Shea Gilgis Alexander did when he got traded to the Thunder or James Harden did when he got to the Rockets. Like if it just like, obviously that's not going to happen, but if just to say if that was possible or if that was something that could happen potentially that they, um, that that was the hopes, right? Rehabilitation for, for assets or he becomes the star of your team, right? Those were the two, the two um, like best case scenarios. I think that they were hoping for. I think that obviously it's been like the complete opposite of that, but I do think that he's going to be here for the next three seasons after this season, they're going to give him the runway to, to, to do one of those things. Like they're, they're going to try to see if, Hey, maybe he's um, maybe he hasn't been in the mess, the best mental space since the Draymond thing. And maybe like at some point there's a breakthrough and that player does come back from golden state. I mean, he's 23. It's not like, Hey man, it's just gone. He's 30 now. Like he's not going to be that guy used to be. It's like, he should be in theory still improving slash entering his prime here pretty soon. So I think that it makes sense to me, even though it's not like necessarily what I want in terms of prioritizing young guys over him at this point. I think I understand if he's going to continue to start and get 30 minutes a night. I do understand that they're like, Hey, like this guy's going to be here and there's no way to rehabilitate him if he's not playing. Um, And we want to see if maybe at some point he can turn that corner. I think that you there's only so much with that, though, right? There's only so much runway you can give before it's like, all right, man, he's just a bench guard. So at some point, it's detrimental to the development of the other guys. So I think there's a line that 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 has to be like, it's like a delicate balance, I guess. Like you're towing this line of like, we want to see what Poole can, t- can do, and maybe he'll turn this corner. Obviously, it's been horrible so far, but we've seen him be a really good player and really productive player on a championship team. So it's not like they're just wishing on a star like this. We've seen it. We've seen a really good player. So I think that there's just a balance there. And it's like, I don't envy the task of trying to figure out how to how to balance that because Poole has just objectively been very bad. And it's it's like as a as a fan base, you're like, okay, man, he sucks. Like, why do we keep trotting out somebody who's playing horrible and letting them do what they whatever they want for 30 minutes a night? I understand that. But I do think there is a line there where it's like, okay, if we bench him, maybe we never get a chance to re- rehabilitate this guy. We never, we 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 completely lose him as a franchise. He's gonna be here for three more seasons. It, if we if we can't figure out something to do with him, it's not like he's gonna be here for just another year or so. It's like he's gonna be here long term at this point. So I think it's just a balance. I think it's not an easy balance to to kind of navigate. I think that they're invested in, hey, we traded for this guy. We have to figure out a way to either make it work with him on the roster for the time being, and or we need to see if we can, if we can pull that out of him, that that old Jordan Pool. And we saw, like, honestly, the first half last night, I was like, oh wow, like he maybe he's really not that that was a huge turnaround from like I thought it was going to be like a complete three sixty, but I thought like okay maybe maybe he's finding like a better version of himself than we've seen lately. But then in the second half, it was like, oh, this is the same old guy. So it's tough. I don't envy the task uh, of trying to figure out what to do with Jordan Poole going forward. It was definitely a miss from, from our front office. And I think that you can objectively say that. Uh, but I think it was a worthy gamble. And I think it's hard. It's easy to say now, like, oh, that was dumb. But I think at the time, it was it was a, a a worthy gamble. I think it was a, it was, a, it was honestly like the move I probably would have made too. So I'm not going to criticize him too much 
on it. But uh, it, it does suck just to see how much that he struggled. Um, I want to wrap up things with the trade deadline here, Chase, though. Let's like let's talk about Kuzma really quick. You know, there's been a ton of time on it because obviously he wasn't moved. There's reports that he that the that the Wizards came close to accepting a deal from the Mavs. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I know that we as a fan base kind of were bracing for Kuzma to be here um, because that was just kind of like the intel we've been getting for weeks from Woj and other reporters that um, the Wizards were like leaning towards keeping him. So what are your thoughts on on Kuzma? not getting traded and do you think it was the right decision and, and this is becoming kind of kind of a constant theme here i i love the player kyle kuzma i would have liked to see him go but i'm definitely not upset that he's still in the building his contract is descending we've mentioned this point you know time in and time out here on this podcast uh that his contract only gets better here for, you know in the next couple of years so we're not dead set on on getting rid of him for no reason Clearly, teams weren't willing to get off of 2025 picks right now, and I think that's ultimately, if we're getting off of Kuzma, that's what this front office wants. Um, so I'm definitely not upset that we didn't get rid of him for a you know a low haul. I, I want to get the most we can for him. But at the same time, we have guys like him and guys like Jordan Poole. I think both of them combined here are, are probably stunning development of guys that I do want to see here long term and and this all leads to Bilal everything always here is leading to Bilal this is the first pick of this front office here and I think they have big visions of him being one of the big pieces here moving forward in Washington so uh, he's 19 years old um, he's got a ton of time to develop so don't get me wrong but uh, and I hate to go back here to to Jordan Poole again but um, you're you're choosing the the rehabilitation of a guy like Jordan Poole in my eyes over the development of your first draft pick. So uh, it is a fine line there. It's a fine line. But if you got guys like him and Kyle Kuzma throwing up 20 shots a game, it's tough to to find that role here for, for guys like Bilal and Denny. So I, I hope, um, you know, I'm not upset that Kyle Kuzma is still in the building here, but I would have liked those closing minutes to go to guys like Denny, go to guys like Bilal and, and, Unfortunately, you're not. You're, I mean, not unfortunately. You're definitely not taking Kyle Kuzma out of the game in in those situations. You gotta you gotta put him in there. He is your best player, so you don't take him out in those situations. Um, so from that perspective, we're we're not gonna probably be able to develop everybody the way that that I would like to immediately. You know, I would have liked at the end of this season to see those guys closing each and every night, and we're we're probably not gonna get that, but. Um, I definitely expect that Kyle Kuzma will probably be shipped in the offseason. I, I I don't think he's going to be here super long term. I'd, I'd say that they're just waiting here for the offseason to, to get the best haul they can, because I think they can probably get a better haul here um, after the after the season ends. So I'm, I'm definitely not upset. They didn't just take whatever offer from the Dallas Mavericks. They didn't have a ton to offer, in my opinion, uh, as far as young assets, uh, picks. They clearly had to to go out of their way to get one from OKC to send us just for Gafford. So they didn't have a ton there to work with for Kuzma. So of the of the trade partners here, I, I'd be excited to see some more better options in the offseason. So for me, I'm, I'm not upset we didn't trade him. I would have liked to, but if the market wasn't there, the market wasn't there, and I'm not just giving him away at this point. That's exactly where I landed too. I think if the right deal was there, I obviously would have wanted them to do it. Um, it's pretty clear that the market wasn't maybe as fruitful as like Wizards fans would have hoped in terms of at least 
meeting what the asking price was. And I think that Kuzma with Kuzma's contract and production, it doesn't make sense to to sell him lower than you want to. So what the Mavs had to offer wasn't that enticing to me, um, it, at least from what it seems like. I, I don't know if they were willing to give up what they gave up for PJ Washington, but I wouldn't that wouldn't have done it for me, I think, for Kuzma. Uh, I think Kuzma's been much more productive than PJ Washington, and they gave up basically the the Hornets had to take on Grant Williams ex- like next three or four years of his contract in addition to Seth Curry, who I think is on an expiring. And then they got that, they got a top two protected um, 2027 pick. Like that pick would have been nice, right? Obviously, but then you would have had to take on the long-term money of, of Williams and he hasn't had a good year. And he's not like that to me, that he would have been the worst player to have, I guess, in terms of like, he's a solid, could start, like he'd be okay. But if that was similar to what they were offering for Kuzma, I just don't think that that's enough. It, it it just isn't enough. There's no young player in that. There's no, it's just that pick. The pick would have been, would have been nice, but I think that Kuzma's worth more than that. And I think that there's kind of a timeline in terms of when they do need to make a Kuzma deal. And I think they have to move him by next deadline to get the, like the right value. So I think if, if it goes past next deadline and he's still here, I think that's really my cutoff of like, okay, I think y'all are holding the bag a little too long here at this point, because the contract's going to be less valuable to other teams, the longer it goes on. Um, But I think for now, it didn't seem like there was a great deal out there. And I think that they're smart to kind of wait for the offseason to see if something can shake there where their teams because things change in the playoffs, right? Like there's going to be a team out there that falls short and they might say, man, like we were close, but we just needed that one more starting starting guy that that could that could get create his own shot and score or, or whatever. And that changes their calculus in terms of the assets they're willing to give up. Uh, and I think sometimes you just just need to see kind of where things go and wait. And there's no rush to get Kuzma out the door right now. So, and I think there's value to the leadership he brings. And I think that you do, again, we keep saying this, you need to have some level of competency on the floor and you got to have someone that can be the lead dog night tonight um, in, in terms of just making the team be competitive. And there is value in that too. So I think that they, that they made the right decision if the offer, if, if there was nothing that was meeting their threshold, I don't, think you just take whatever offer you can get i think that you wait you there is time to wait i think this off season is probably the sweet spot with that in my personal opinion but i think next deadline is like the absolute like if y'all don't trade them by then i think i would probably start to feel like okay i think you're holding the asset too long but i'm definitely willing to say um or to be understanding of the fact that there probably just wasn't the right deal out there and that's okay yeah, and I mean, we saw a very light deadline from just from an NBA perspective. The entire NBA, not many big names were moved. It was mostly role players swapped for other role players or, uh, you know, second round picks going for a role player. So at the end of the day, it clearly wasn't a fruitful, uh, fruitful deadline for anybody. So I'm not just giving him away right now. Um, I would have liked the other guys. Like, it, what, I, what I'm really upset about at the deadline is mostly there's the Tyus, Delon, Shamit are still in the building. I'm, I'm not upset that, that Gafford is gone, and I'm not upset that Kuzma's still here. I think uh, we have a lot of flexibility this offseason to, to do some things. I think Kuzma, to your point, I think that is a sweet spot this offseason. I think that's the best time to get off of him, and and I think teams will be more willing to part with multiple first round picks in the off season than they are at the deadline. So, 
Um, or even at we'll, the draft, we'll, you know, like you never right, know. Right. Um, there might be a, a team that that's picking in the teens that might mm-hmm. say, hey, we'll give you our pick in the teens and a future first, you know, for, for Kuzma. And then the Wizards could have three first round picks. I know it's a weak draft, but everyone says that. And then it's like, you know, uh, like Giannis will get picked 10th. And it's like, well, <sighs> we could be that. We could be that team maybe that picks that guy. That's the difference maker, um, you know, with a trade at the draft. Or you just never know. And so I, I think that to your point, just leaving that optionality open is is great. Yeah, and I I like the vision of of Winger and Dawkins. Like I think they have a, a profile of a player that they look for, and and they're gonna try to go get it. Like I think Bilal absolutely fit everything that they were looking for in a player, and they went and, and traded up to get their guy. So. At the end of the day, I'm I'm excited to see what they do here in this draft. Um, I would have liked to see Kuzma go, of course, and, and I I still think that's going to be on the table. But but yes, I'm I'm not just giving him away for a light return because he is a 20 plus point per game scorer. He's won a championship in my eyes. He was probably the third best player on that team. So the value should be there for Kyle Kuzma, even even if he's not you know playing the role that he is here in Washington elsewhere. He won't. But we've seen him fit into a role, mold into a you know a secondary role in in L.A. and and be really effective in that role. So he's only gotten better since then. He can fit in just about in my eyes any roster. Uh, he can create himself. He can create for others, and he's a much better defender than people give him credit for. So uh, one first round pick and and a couple mid level young players. We're looking at Jaden Hardy, like guys like that I'm, I'm not giving Kyle Kuzma away for for you know assets that I just don't see being the caliber of player Kyle Kuzma is like I don't foresee those young guys over in Dallas ever becoming what we saw of Kyle Kuzma here so I'm not just giving him away because they're young like that that just doesn't make sense if they're not going to be the caliber player that Kyle Kuzma is why would you do it you know it's a uh, it's obviously the the picks are the the big thing here, and if you're not getting two for them, then then just don't do it. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's kind of project things forward in terms of like what this deadline or what the lack of trades or whatever you want to call it. What is what does this mean for the off season in the overall direction of the team? Um, I'll, I'll take this one first in terms of like how I how I see things kind of going forward here. I think that the front office did pretty good work to get um, another first round pick. I think for a team that's so devoid of assets, it's, it's imperative that we acquire more. And there was apparently a mandate even from Ted Leonsis that has been reported, I believe it was Brian Windhorse, um, that the team get more first round assets. Right. So I think that anytime you can flip, a replaceable caliber player or, or, or a backup big for a first round pick. I think that's a win, right? Pretty much every, not that the opinion of other people validate my opinion or anyone else's, but the people that analyze trades and things like this for a living uh, guys that follow the NBA seem to think that this is good business, but by the wizards from every, every account that I've heard for the most part, I think that that just that line of thinking that you're trading a replaceable asset or a replaceable player for a first round asset for where the Wizards are is what you want to do. 
Um, what I think it means for the offseason going forward is that the the plan here is just to is just to like like we talked about take as many swings as we can and i like that we could potentially come into next season with two first round pick you know two first round players that we can one be excited about as a fan base but two it'll give us a chance to really see what winger and dawkins can do in terms of um t- analyzing talent and trying to find those guys you know, those diamonds in the rough and things like that, because it's one thing to pick in the top five, which the Wizards will probably do, but we'll really see what they can do picking in the late, the late twenties, right? Like, can they, can they make things work um, in terms of finding a diamond in the rough or that type of thing? So that'll be really interesting. Um, the plan, I think going forward, I, at least just from my vantage point, I think is that, I think we're going to see Kispert back uh, in terms of, on an extension i think that he's just played really well and he can fit on any roster because of his ability to shoot and i think they're they're going to kick that can down the road in terms of an asset now whether kispert's going to be on the next good wizards team i i probably doubt but i think that we're going to probably see him on like a good extension that's going to be a tradable contract and we've seen them do that with the denny extension with the kyle kuzma contract just signing good contracts that are going to be either just good value for the Wizards or good value to trade down the road. So I think we're going to continue to see like that type of thing where if it's Tyus or whether it's Kispert, like we're going to see them find a way if they do bring these guys back, it's going to be on team friendly deals that are going to be um, easier flip down the road for more assets. And I think that that's going to be just the plan going forward. If you'd have to take on a, undesirable contract like Rashawn Holmes for one year to get the pick or picks down the road. I think we're going to see things like that. Like we saw with Bagley, you're taking on a depreciated asset, but you're getting picks. The team's not going to be good. We know that. So I'm kind of just in like, what difference does it make? Like, that's my, my vision. Like if we have Rashawn Holmes or we have Bagley, the team's going to be bad with or without those guys. So I think we're just all in on like, we're going to be bad again next year. We're going to have Bilal. We're going to have the two picks that we have this upcoming draft at a minimum. I mean, unless they do the thing where they take 26, the 26 pick and break it up into like multiple seconds or something. I hope they don't do that, but you never know, I guess. But in theory, those two, those two picks and then another potentially top five pick in the 2026 draft. And then we could have a nice replenishment of young assets. I know that's a, that's not, an immediate return, right? Like we want, we want to have these young prospects right now. I know, but I think that the plan going forward makes a lot of sense. I really do. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still way on board with the vision of winger and Dawkins. Like I don't think this trade deadline changes anything for me, you know, from that perspective, I do still believe in their ability to draft. I think, um, for, for the most part, most moves they've made this year, I've been happy with, whether it be, we, we do forget about that Bagley trade because it was a few weeks ago, but like if that was here at the deadline, wouldn't we be happy that that happened? Like it, uh, if we tie that into our deadline talk here, like, okay, that this looks a lot better. They got a, a great asset. It looks like in Marvin Bagley, who's now looking like he's going to be our starting center here. Um, he's been playing really well when he has played. Of course, he's, he's now hurt again, which has kind of been his Achilles heel here his entire career. Um, and and I, I hope he can become healthier. It seems to be, I, I don't know the severity of, of his injury being a back contusion. I don't know how long he'll be out, but hopefully uh, returning pretty soon. But but we we love that trade. Like he, We got two second round picks to take 
on a player that has been good for us. So um, in the grand scheme of things, I believe in the vision of these guys. I think uh, we're going to have more of a chance to hit on second round picks and late first round picks. We, we saw under Tommy Shepard, we're trading, for example, this pick's probably going to be around 26. We traded a, a pick in that range for Aaron holiday. Like I, I fully believe that we have guys in the building who are going to make s- smart decisions with their assets. Uh, you know, they might not hit on every single move. No front office. will. they definitely uh, didn't, I think, you know, maximize what they could get here from Tyus Jones, but they're going to, I think, build this team the right way through the draft. So I'm, I'm not upset about anything that's happened here in year one. Like I'm not, uh, you know, up in arms over this trade deadline by any means. I would have liked a couple things to have gone differently, but I'm still all in on, on this front office and, and the vision that they have. So I'm not, I'm not swaying my opinion all because I'm, I'm saying I'm unhappy with what happened at the deadline. I, I just, you know, nothing's going to be perfect, but I, I would have liked things to, you know, get, get uh, Tyus Jones and DeLon out the door. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. Obviously, the, the deadline's passed, but hopefully they can, you know, either get Tyus Jones on a good team-friendly deal or, to your point earlier, get a good sign-and-trade for him because uh, let's get as many swings, uh, again, as we can, whether that be second-round picks. We're, we're stockpiling those those picks. What what we did with multiple seconds was move up to get Bilal this past year. We, we need – I would have liked to see more, more second-round picks in the building to be able to do things like that because if – if we're here at 26, who says we can't use a few more of those second round picks to to move up from on that pick as well to to get up in the maybe late teens. So for for reasons like that I would have liked to get off those guys, but I still believe in the vision. I still think uh we have better guys in the building who give us a better chance to actually hit on those late picks. I think that sometimes you got to take a step back and look at the things that have happened just in the few months that we've had the new front office right like they, they moved on from Bradley Beal you probably did about the best that you can do in terms of him having a no trade clause and that giant contract if you look at it now Bradley Beal is a, still a very good player we have, he obviously dropped 43 in his return to DC but that was probably the best game he's had as a son he's been fine on the Suns but he hasn't been a world beater so I don't he definitely hasn't been a 250 million dollar player on the Suns so far uh, so to me, they were able to get off that contract. It's not like they got a home run value, but I think they got solid value. Now, the mistake was turning the Chris Paul thing into pool in hindsight, but I think I think like eight out of 10 people would have done that trade. So I don't think that you can beat them up too much over that. They got they they uh, assessed that Wes Unsell wasn't the guy, which is what we all wanted basically as a fan base. They moved on from him. Um they turned Gafford into a, a first round pick. They're tanking like we all wanted them to do. We're going to have an, a top five pick potentially here. They drafted the guy the fan base wanted to draft in Bilal. Like 90% of the fan base wanted Bilal. I think some of us wanted Cam Whitmore, right? But they did pretty well with the Bilal pick, right? They traded up for the guy that a lot of the fan base wanted. Um, They traded, they traded, guys that have no value in Muscala and Gallinari for Bagley, who's been productive in two second round picks. They drafted um, a big that some of us are excited about in Tristan Vucevic, um, who looks like a pretty good prospect, right? Like, I think there, I'm just naming things off the top of my head, but I think there's like, we just got to chill out and give a little bit more credit. If you look at what they've done in the short amount of time, 
they've done pretty good work here. Like, I, I don't think that they've done phenomenal work where I would make a meme about it, but <laughs> I think that they've done a, a pretty good job so far. And I think that we need to give them some, 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 some slack here and give them some space to mold the team to their vision. I don't think it's a coincidence that they added Brian Keefe to the staff and then now 41 games into the season, Brian Keefe is the, is the head coach. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> think that that's a coincidence. I think they they knew what they were doing. They were trying to give Coach Ansel a chance. I think they they probably knew he wasn't the guy going in. They can't just come out and say in the press conference, hey, we know he's not the guy, but we're giving him a chance, right? I think it's like there's a, there's a way, there's an order to these things. I think that we got to just look at what's changed since we've been here and they've given Denny a solid contract. They've given Kuzma a solid contract to retain the assets. Like they've done pretty good work. It's, it hasn't been an A plus, but I think they've done a solid B so far. And I think that based on the things, I mean, maybe I'm just like over uh, overreacting to some of the negativity I see on Twitter. But I'm just like we have no patience as a fan base right now. And I, and I understand it, but I just think that the moves like the moves that they've made in general have been pretty good. And I think that we got to just let the long play of this vision play out because we want instant oatmeal, right? We want Kuzma to be two first round picks right now. And, and I get that. Like, I want that too. But if Kuzma isn't garnering that right now, we should wait till the off season. Um, if, if Tyus isn't getting the deal that you want, that, that you want, it might not be worth throwing off your team, your current team to not have a competent point guard out there. Like, I think that there's just like, like we've been talking about, there's a balance to these things. I think if you look at the work of the front office so far, it's been pretty good. I think that this off season will be a big, a big, um, kind of indicator of where things are going i think that now they'll have their first like real off season as the like they've been in the jobs they've got an assessment of the team as the main guys running the team and go from there they'll be able to kind of have that full year of assessment under their belt and they'll be able to make decisions going forward so i'm excited for that i think having two first round picks that when we step back and we kind of just move on from the fact that we sent out Gafford. I think I, if anyone said before like the season started, hey, we're going to have we're going to have two first round picks in this upcoming draft, one being top 5 and the other just being another pick in the first round. I think most of us would have been like, hey, that's pretty exciting. Like when's the last time we had two swings at the apple and one being a top 5 pick? So I I'm happy with where things are right now in terms of the assets and the front office. The on-court product sucks. But um, it just is what it is, you know. It just is what it is. That's where we're at. Yeah, we're we're still on board with the front office. I know a lot. Of, some people jump shift real quick here at the deadline. I'm not one of those people. I don't think you're one of those people. Let's just let it play out. They've done to your point all those great moves that they've made already, and and we're not seeing the end goal of that. Of course, we're seeing nine wins right now, and and people who we we watch mostly every night. Uh, a lot of got a lot of people do, and and the casuals they're not going to watch this, and and I understand, but um, I'm I'm excited about the direction still. Bilal, Denny, Denny's contract was was a very good contract. Now I, I you know I think a lot of us questioned whether they would would do that, being that Denny wasn't their draft pick, and 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 they gave him a very solid contract, and and I'm very happy they've done that now at this point. So uh, all those great moves they've made so far. 
an underwhelming deadline, of course, but that's not going to make me jump ship by any means. Chase, let's wrap things up with talking uh, really quickly about um, Brian Keefe and his and the team under him so far. Um, they're currently two and six under him. He's coached eight games. Um, the team's record is currently nine and 42. I thought they re- looked really good against Boston last night. You know, as far as look, they're not going to win at Boston with the roster that they have with no center. They didn't have Gafford or excuse me. They obviously didn't have Gafford because they traded them, but they didn't have Bagley and they didn't have Holmes. So they had Kuzma start at center with Bilal, Denny, Poole, and Tyus filling out the rest of the lineup. I thought Denny played an outstanding game. Um, I thought Bilal played – I think he played pretty good overall. I, he started off a little slow, but I think he came along as the game went along. I I think the team has looked much more cohesive and competitive under Keefe. I don't think it's been like, oh, my gosh, it's a night and day difference. But I think there's like little nuanced things that I see in terms of just the effort and the connectiveness of the team since um, Keefe's been in charge. I think that they look like they're, they're receiving his message uh, better than coach Unseld. The one thing I want to note is like, I think when there's a coaching change, there is the next like 10 to 15 games. A lot of times you see that where the team, cause it's like someone just got fired. So if you're at your job and your boss gets fired and your boss's boss is like, okay, like, you know, heads are starting to turn cause things aren't going right. So I think people will get on their best behavior. Like, okay, like, let me make sure I'm not slacking because Someone just got fired. Like my boss just got fired. So my what I'm saying is like, I don't think we can immediately jump to wow, Keith. They 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 like Keith way better than they liked Wes. I think that there that that might be true. I'm not saying it's not true, but I think that there's this this happens a lot under a new coach where the team plays more connected because it's like lights a fire under you to do so. So I think we need to see how things go the rest of the season with that kind of how they're responding to his message. The things revert back to how they were. But I do think there there has been um, more connective tissue, and he does appear to have more feel for the game and like lineups and things like that than West did. So I like what I've seen so far, but I think that I'm just like not ready to say, oh, he should definitely keep the job or or that type of thing, because I think we just need to see more of a sample size. But so far, so good. Yeah, I definitely have also seen that pick up and in, in juice with the team here the last few games has that necessarily led to wins no not not really of course but I, I agree with you I think he has a better feel for the game than Wes has um, whether that means he's a NBA caliber head coach I don't know it's it is a very limited sample size here but um, my I guess my one gripe would be just that he hasn't really been playing Denny as much as I think uh, he he may deserve to, and now that we've passed the trade deadline, I I had thought that maybe that had been uh, more so trying to get guys some looks before the deadline to to up their trade value. But now, um, that's that's come and gone. So I hope that he increases Denny's minutes up to the point that I I think he deserves, um, especially closing out games. I think that's been my my one slight gripe about Brian Keith so far was is just the Denny minutes. I know a lot of a lot of the fan base on Twitter has has shared that sentiment as well. I'm not like super upset by that or, or anything. Like I, I I just hope um, I hope he does increase his minutes towards the end of games. And, and and it was just really that one game in particular. I forget who who it was against, um, but he had been having a pretty strong game and and just didn't throw him back out there in the fourth quarter. Maybe you you remember which one that was, but. Um, that's that's really been my only real gripe with him. I, I think his feel has been a little bit better than than Wes 
Uh, he's done as much as he can with this roster. You're, you're not going to win a ton of games with this roster right now. Uh, the way Jordan Poole has been playing, it, it's just not going to happen. I'd, I'd like him to, you know, have the the wherewithal to to bench him when he's not playing super well. Like I, I don't know if he has the pull in the league as a head coach at this point to to be able to bench your multi million dollar shooting guard that you just traded for. But that's what I would like to see when when Poole is just not on. Take him out. Like that's that's my one thing with Brian Keith that I hope he does. I don't know if he has the pull in the league to do this at this point, but um, that's those are really my only only gripes so far with Keith. I, I think he's done a pretty good job. Uh, you know, limited sample size, of course, but uh, I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward. Because if if he's an option here for us to be our long term head coach, like I, I don't think he's done a bad job with with what he's shown so far. Yeah, and real quick from our guy uh, Damo here, who's you know big on big on Twitter and, and obviously a big voice in the Wizards community. He tweeted uh, just an hour ago that the Wizards defense since Keith has a one sixteen defensive rating, which is sixteenth in the league, and under West it was one twenty, um, and that was twenty ninth in the league. So the defense has been improved. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not as big into the advanced stuff. So how big of a difference 120 is from one to 116 i'm not gonna act like i'm like you know i don't i don't know how it, it doesn't sound off the top of my head like a huge difference but in terms of where it's gone in the league that's a 13 you know 13 team jump um i think the defense has looked better to my eye test i i think the team just has bad defensive players in general so i don't <laughs> i don't know how good the defense is gonna the defense is gonna be regardless of who uh is coaching or or whatever when the personnel is bad but that i do think to my eye they've looked more connected on defense and their communication seems to be better. Uh, and so I think that Keith is going to get or is getting as much as you can get out of the roster, at least in this moment. Like I do agree with you on the Denny thing um, that I I don't like that. I like to me, Denny should Denny and Bilal both need to play 28 minutes a night minimum. Like that should be the, the baseline. And Denny at this point, like you're 23, you're young, like, you you know you're you're not a rookie because I can understand like you don't want to always throw a rookie out there for like 35 minutes but like Denny's been around long enough he should be playing 33 plus minutes a night like, there's no reason he shouldn't be playing like 35 minutes a night I mean with what else we have on the team he's just been I mean he rebounds he passes he he plays solid defense he he scores okay like he's one of the I mean he's probably the second best player on the team right now I mean you could I guess you could debate it maybe maybe with Tyus. I guess, but mm. yeah, I'm taking Denny over time. Yeah, I'm taking Denny, and right? So I'm like, he, maybe there's no reason. he's out. Yeah. There's no reason he shouldn't close, uh, close games and play more minutes. Um, but with that said, Chase, I'm going to let us get out of here. It's Saturday morning. I know we both got, <laughs> we both got things to do, but, uh, we just wanted to hop on the wizards group chat and give you guys some of our, from s- some of our trade deadline reaction. Uh, Chase, do you have anything before we close out? Yeah, guys, let's just be patient. We, we're we in year one here, not even a full year of the Winger and Dawkins experience. So obviously we would have liked some things to maybe have gone differently here at the deadline, but I've seen Wizards Twitter completely flip their opinions on Winger and Dawkins within a span of like a week just because they didn't trade Tyus Jones, just because we didn't <laughs> trade DeLon Wright. Like we're, we're flipping our entire opinions based off of backup caliber point guards like come on like uh, we would have liked to get some second round picks but our last front office couldn't even hit on a second round pick so are we really that that mad that we couldn't get a couple couple more second rounders in the building i'm 
I, I obviously would have liked that, but come on, let's let's have a little bit of <laughs> of patience. See what these guys can actually do in a second off season. Where, uh, to your point, we've with, with uh, we've seen the entire year of what they have in the building. Let's let's see what they can do in year two without you know completely throwing them under the bus and 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 jumping ship. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. That's a perfect way to close out. Please. You know, leave us a review, all that good stuff. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we appreciate the, the feedback that we've gotten since we've started. Uh, and we'll catch you on the next one.